following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 63 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. I'm Martin. And I'm Kevin. This is the show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are wrong on Rotten Tomatoes and reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 2011's Transformers Dark of the Moon, directed by Michael Bay, starring Shia LaBeouf, Josh Duhamel, John Turturro, Tyrese Gibson, Rosie Huntington-Whitley, Patrick Dempsey, Kevin Dunn, Julie White, John Malkovich and Francis McDormand. Transformers Dark of the Moon is a 2011 science fiction action film based on the Transformers toy line. It is the third installment of the live action Transformers film series. This film currently holds a 35% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? The Autobots and Decepticons become involved in a perilous space race between the United States and Russia to reach a hidden Cybertronian spacecraft on the moon and learn its secrets. And once again, Sam Witwicky has come to the aid of his robot Robot friends. The new villain, Shockwave, who rules Cybertron, is on the scene while the Autobots and Decepticons continue to battle it out on Earth. That's not accurate. No. That's not that's not that's completely inaccurate. That's, that's completely inaccurate. Who wrote this? It's a twelve year old. Did like a five year old write this plot synopsis? Where'd you get this from? IMDB. This is IMDB? This is why you can't crowdsource plot <laughs> summaries. Like, you get crap like that. That was, that was the official plot written by Michael Bay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Transformers 3, Dark of the Moon. What is your history with this? I stayed away from this movie at all costs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't see this. This is the last piece in the puzzle, right? Is this or puzzle? is it? Is this, I, no, they're making another one, aren't they? Yeah. Are they? Yeah. yeah. I thought this was supposed to be the last one. No. He, he was talking a big game, but that's not how it played out. Got us again. <laughs> Michael Bay. Michael Bay, you got us again. I think Paramount was just like, here's $400 billion. <laughs> so, Kevin, you've been riding this Transformers train. You've been riding high for a long time, right? You love this series. It's your favorite trilogy. What does the Transformers train look like <laughs> if Kevin's riding it? <laughs> they have a train, Astro Train. <laughs> It's astonishing to me that movies this bad have gotten to the point where we have a third one. It really is. You don't believe in redemption and forgiveness? <laughs> no, I don't. Not in this situation. <laughs> okay. You're you're cold-blooded, Kevin. Yeah. All right, okay. As for me, I never wanted to see this movie as well. Although, I did think the trailers looked pretty cool. Yes, I agree with that. But I know better, you know. Uh-huh. Michael, I know Michael Bay's tricks. That man knows how to cut a trailer. He does. So I did not want to see this movie ever. And by the time this movie came out, I did don't think I had seen Transformers 2 yet. So I was only going off the strength <laughs> strength <laughs> of Transformers 1. And I knew that I didn't like it at the time. So I don't think I had revisited it yet for the show. I don't know. I don't remember. But uh, yeah, so here we are. Transformers 3. We've completed the trilogy. Amazing. I can't believe we've actually followed through with something here. Uh, yeah, it's that bad. <laughs> World Headquarters. <laughs> Next up, Twilight, right? Yeah, but we still have way Breaking, more to We go. still have Breaking Dawn Part 2, which is coming out soon. This is, yeah, right. How many have we not seen that actually exist? Uh, Just one? Uh, no, three. We haven't seen... I mean, we haven't reviewed three movies that are out. Are you serious? <laughs> 
Yeah, we, be, there's, we, wait, two have been done. No, no, no. But they're gonna do the whole Twilight, series. Eclipse, New Moon, Breaking, Breaking Dawn, Dawn Part One, Breaking Dawn Part Two. Wait, Eclipse we haven't seen. Yeah, and Breaking Dawn Part One, and their Breaking Dawn Part Two is coming. Oh, okay, so a third one is coming out that we haven't. And seen. And then there's, I think there's another two after that. We still have to see. Maybe we'll go to the theater to see Twilight, New Moon Four, Eclipse Three, Breaking Dawn Two. Thoughts? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Hey, hey. Wait, you just completely lost me. What are you saying? We saw a new moon. No, no, no. The third new moon. What? <laughs> I am so confused. Twilight 5, new moon 4, <laughs> Eclipse 3, Breaking Dawn 2. <laughs> That's how it goes. Okay, those of you playing along at home have followed our rise towards the Transformers trilogy. You've seen the highs and lows, right? Go back and re-listen to Transformers 2 to listen to Martin snoring like a baby. Perhaps he fell asleep again during this movie. Well, you'll have to (laughs) wait to find out. Yeah, we did not watch this together, so who knows? You might have slipped through the whole thing. (laughs) Okay, let's do what we always do at the top of the show. We'll discuss the actors one by one, and we'll see how you thought they did. First up, it's a triumphant return for a lot of people. Class president, Shiloh. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Class president. <laughs> so Cameron Bright was the valedictorian. Class president. Is Dennis Quaid the teacher? The principal. He's the principal <laughs> Quaid. Yeah, Nicolas Cage is the wacky science teacher. <laughs> Shia LaBeouf has really come into his own in this movie. I thought his acting was very good. I, I mean, a couple I, of episodes ago, we watched him. We, we watched he wasn't him a full in Constantine. Yeah, he wasn't a full beefcake. Shia, Shia had facial, he had a 10 o'clock shadow. Not a 5, a 10 o'clock shadow during this whole movie, and he is a full-on beefcake. He's operating movie. on full beefcake cylinders. He put the beefcake <laughs> throttle all the way to the max. <laughs> he hit the NOS on the beefcake meter <laughs> I just want to say that he was op- he was operating almost at full beef. He was Kevin, a- how many beefs do you give <laughs> out of out of five beefs, how many beefs you give him? Remember, he gave Mila Jovovich three beefs the other day. I'm gonna give him a two. Whoa! What? Why? A shocking turn of events here. Yes, that bed. World headquarters. <laughs> I was not as impressed with Shia. Really? I guess my my main problem wasn't on him. <laughs> my, my main problem is I didn't understand why he was even in this movie. That's a really good point, actually. I agree. <laughs> but that notwithstanding. Just like Constantine. He, What's he doing here? He was, he was like either at a zero or a hundred. There was no in between in this movie. Yeah. And his hundred at times I found entertaining and, and kind of funny. But most of the time I found it really annoying. I thought that he was operating at a four out of five beefcakes in this movie. It was pretty good, actually. Yeah, I thought he was beefing it. (laughs) (laughs) I like Shia in this. I'm on the record as being a Shia LaBeouf supporter. A well-known fact. Don't get me wrong. I think I've gotten you wrong. He's an entertaining guy. But? But he annoyed me in this movie. Is it his fault or the material? Both. Can't catch a break. (laughs) He had a antagonist. There was a direct conflict, and he actually physically fought them. I was expecting him to just Which is surprising, because usually, like, in this movie, the humans just run around screaming like more. <laughs> Yelling, Optimus, Bumblebee. Yeah, Bumblebee. Although there wasn't that much. 
much in this one. I was surprised. Making this movie infinitely better than the previous two. Well, I mean, after the last one, right, they could have just farted for <laughs> two hours and it, it would have been great. His scenes early in the movie I thought were great. His scenes and his initial scene when he's with his girlfriend. I thought I that thought looked he like did a, a Hanes commercial. It did, Probably. but I thought he did a great job because it was he was on the subtle side. And in his interviews, I thought he was pretty good too. But then when robots started falling from the sky, things got a little too crazy. He fell down the toilet. Yeah. Is he believable as an action star? I think that's the question I think we should ask ourselves at this point because he has gone from sidekick to lead, leading role in these in these action movies. And he's, I think, physically a lot smaller and as far as having a strong presence, maybe lacking a little bit in that, that area. Is he worthy of being a leading man? Like a young Dennis Quaid or Nicolas Cage? I think he could be. Maybe not in an action movie, but... You think he'd be a romance man? Yeah, or... Bromance. Bro- Absolutely bromance. He's 100% bromance material. Could he... <laughs> Could could he be as good as Adrian Brody? Whoa. Okay, next up, Josh Duhamel. Now, here's a guy I wonder what he's doing in this movie. <laughs> so, okay, so Josh Josh Duhamel in the previous movies was the equivalent. Oh, no, wait, 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 wait. I had to follow tradition. In the last two movies I did this, I'm going to do in this one. Let's just lump them together. No, no, you can't because they're not in the same thing anymore. <laughs> yeah, completely you have to, you have you to separate them. Tyrese Gibson is now separate from Josh Duhamel. <laughs> oh, what a maintain tradition, but okay, you're right. He's graduated. He's his own man now. He is. Okay, in this movie, Josh Duhamel, when he's wearing his full attire and he's commanding, he, it looks like he's a five-star general. He's got like 400 badges on his chest. How did that happen? I had the exact same question. I was like, when did this guy become general of our military? <laughs> general Duhamel. He did survive two robot wars. I don't care. I, like, he doesn't have the experience necessary to command thousands of people. He fought in the Robot Wars. He, he was in charge. He was 100% the commander in charge in every situation. SEAL Team movie. 6 came up at the end of this movie and he's like, okay, guys. And he starts commanding them. Like, <laughs> he, did, he did do that. And, 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 and they're like, yes, yes, commander. Like, they knew who he was. Like, immediately, <laughs> just on facial recognition, they knew that that's General Duhamel. Like, yeah. we have to follow him. Did they use the facial recognition software from <laughs> Stealth? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was better than he was in the previous ones. What does that mean? I felt like he had a little bit more screen presence. I didn't think that. I thought they gave him nothing. <laughs> they gave this guy nothing in this movie. He, like one line here, one line there. It was, it was nothing. It was piecemeal. Yes, but what Piece- a meal. All right, so that's it. Uh, next up, John Turturro. I'll say this about this guy. They toned down the obnoxious meter a lot for him in this movie. A lot. Like, last movie was unbearable. <laughs> It really was. This, he was tolerable. He was okay. Someone put the leash back on. He's still acting down to everybody else's level, though. Oh, yeah. But y- you know what? At when, least in, in when, he's movie, with, when he's with Shia LaBeouf, I feel like maybe he's taking him under his wing in the previous two movies because oh, Shia's, his uh, acting uh, skills, are come, he's coming into his own. And now they're actually a little bit, you know. With they're, a young they're doing, Daniel Radcliffe and a Gary Oldman. Yes. They're like doing very light sparring. I mean, John Totoro. Oh, like, yeah. If, if, if they're shadow boxing. <laughs> I mean, between takes. I mean, if John. If John Tatora went full out, he'd be able to kill a young Shia LaBeouf with, on with, acting alone. On, on acting merit alone, he would he would say one line, Shia LaBeouf's head would explode. Well, interesting thing about this movie, we could actually have a legitimate argument to say who is the best actor in this movie, not who performed the best, who is just the overall.
overall best actor of all. I mean, there's some heavy hitters in this. Totoro and Malkovich, I think, are two could could go in the running. Yeah, McDormand sure. can run too. Yeah, yeah, McDormand yeah, as well for sure. That's a good so, question. So Turturro, yay or nay? Yay. Oh yeah, yeah. He could just drone obnoxiously into the camera and I would say, <laughs> yay. Well, he's what he did in the last two. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna go so far as to say that, but he, I definitely appreciated the more toned down version of this character. Yeah, that's what that character should have been from the start. Yes. I like the air of obnoxiousness he had in this one because he was he was rich now. Yeah. I liked. He, he definitely added that to the character. It wasn't just them introducing him as being rich now. Like you yeah. can tell in his character that he was rich. Yes, I agree. Yes. Okay. Next up, Tyrese Gibson. They finally threw this guy a bone. Did they? All these. Yeah. I thought he was <clears throat> atrocious in this movie. They gave him lines. Yeah, and they were not good. That's not his fault. I was not impressed. I mean, man, Tyrese can't catch a break. They can't have him say anything interesting. They just threw him in. Yep. He just happened to be the grounds crew at this. Yeah, he's the janitor. Unused space shuttle launching pad. I want to see this guy shine. Like a bright, shining Cameron Bright star. (laughs) (laughs) So you just don't want him to keep no emotion at all? You want him to be just like a mannequin? No, no. I think he could probably do very well given the right material. Agreed. This isn't the right material. Agreed. Terrible what they had him say. Mm -hmm. Okay. Next up, very controversial. Rosie Huntington Whiteley, the new Megan Fox. Thoughts? I actually find her more attractive than Megan Fox. Co-signed. Whoa, whoa, whoa! (laughs) I've never been more disagreement with any human beings in my life. Just so everybody out there knows, me and Kevin just shook hands (laughs) like real men. Yeah, they they had like a gentleman's agreement. (laughs) They they shook hands. (laughs) They came to terms. (laughs) How'd you do with her acting? Because I remember when this movie came out, the media had a field day on how bad she was. I remember them nonstop talking about she's the worst actress of all time. And I remember atrocious. hearing that too. And I went in with expectations of her being atrocious. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. And find she was her, passable. I didn't. I agree. I didn't, I didn't find her to be that bad. She wasn't great, but she wasn't anywhere near. I mean, I, here I'll go. Uh, as far, I'll go as far as to say that her acting was on par, if not better, than Megan Fox's. I would definitely put it above Revenge of the Fallen Fox. Okay, below first Fox. Yeah, first Fox. I thought she was pretty good in that role. I'll also say when I first saw her, first off, this woman's beautiful. That opening scene, it just that amazing. That that hammered it. <laughs> that that hammered it in for me. It's like this girl is gorgeous. I'm gonna say that she looks like Cameron Diaz if Cameron Diaz was super attractive. Okay. <laughs> you, oh my god, you're you're gonna sound like a lunatic in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but you liked her acting chops. They were okay. It was okay. For it was a first timer. My, I mean, my, like I said, my expectations were real low. I liked I liked her chops in the in, in the first scene. Mm. They show her chops. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that next up. Kevin's favorite, <laughs> Patrick Dempsey. Hey, mixed dreamy, McDreamy. He's back again. He we is. can't avoid this guy. He just pop it up in everything we do. Does he always play like a backhanded, selfish jerk? No. So it's just the the movies that we review. He's I a jerk. I think so. How to save? That's <laughs> <laughs> not cut it out. <laughs> You're insane. You're insane. Well, first, first of all, it's the triumphant return. Well, it's the triumphant return of all these people for the most part. Yeah, but the other ones we've had on the show like 45 times. <laughs> this, this is the triumphant return of Dempsey. Well, Kevin is the world's preeminent Patrick Dempsey expert. He dedicated his entire life to watching <laughs> Grey's Anatomy, so he knows all the ins and outs. Kevin, how do you think he did compared to his Grey's Anatomy's performance? I don't buy this guy as a villain. I don't at all. And 
I don't you know. You think you should be saving lives? Look, now I'm gonna have to go. <laughs> you know how to save. Look at his face. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go to you guys and and see what you think because I don't, I don't know if it's because I've seen him when I watched two seasons of Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> But I didn't buy this guy as a villain at all in this movie. I thought he was very believable as a villain. As did I. Yeah. I bought him as the rich, smarmy guy. Yeah. Smarmy, huh? Well played. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One I, percenter. As Kevin says in every episode of Yeah, It's That Bad, <laughs> and I edit out. <laughs> <laughs> I think his character was arrogant, self-righteous, brazen, and it, it fit. I, I think his, his acting fits that well. I don't know. This guy's kind of winning me over. I thought he had dashing good looks. Dashing, debonair, handsome. Beefcake. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why did I just say that like The Undertaker? <laughs> Patrick Dempsey is good looking. Yeah, I mean, he's a good looking guy. I'm going to loop that quote <laughs> over and over and over again. <laughs> Okay, next up, Kevin Dunn and Julie White, the parents. They're great in all these movies. They're they're the exception to Oh yeah. The they bring the heat every they, time. Always get a laugh out of me. As far as comedic relief goes, they relieve me to my fullest extent and level of relief. I did not find them as charming in this movie. <laughs> really? Look at this guy. The Even, dad I liked. The mom seemed a little bit much this time to me. What about in this No way. Why you, you, Why? you want her the, with the pop brownies again? That was too much. No, that's too much too. <laughs> What about okay? When, a little when, bit more subdued. When she was in the RV and she said, "You got a hot, you got a hot girlfriend twice." It's not gonna happen a third time. I was rip roaring, laughing out loud. <laughs> yeah, my sides were splitting. Yeah, I was, I was laughing uncontrollably. I don't even think I chuckled. Really? Yeah. These two bring their A game every time, and it doesn't even look like they're trying. They're just like, ah, whatever, knocking out the laughs. Do you believe that they're a effortless? Do you believe that they're a married couple that has a child? That that could act like Shia LaBeouf. I agree. I believe it 100%. Like, yeah. I, I, I feel like they really are his parents, yeah. which means that their acting is kiss to the heavens, superb. Par. I still, I still found the mom a little annoying. That, but that's her, I that, find that's, that's her character. a little annoying. That, so. But that's her character. Her character is supposed to be that way. Mm. I don't know, man. I love them. They were only in the movie for like a couple minutes, but those are some great minutes. Okay, next up, John Malkovich. Malkovich Malkovich. He was insane in this movie. He was an insane guy? Is that, is, that, is that his character? Insane boss? He was having fun with this character for sure. Yeah, he was alright. I When I first saw him, I was like, whoa, John Malkovich is in this movie. We're gonna see some A-game. I think I got B-game from him. <laughs> no, no, that's right, right? You feel you, you, you feel cheated, right? A little bit. And I'm gonna say this. Last week, William Fickner was a god among insects. <laughs> <laughs> and I see Malkovich in this movie. I'm like, oh, alright, let's buckle up. We're going to see some real acting in this movie. And I I felt a little cheated. Now, he, was, he wasn't bad. He was okay, but not what I was expecting when I first saw Malkovich up there. I think he, I, you know what I think happened? I think he saw two, and then he just disregarded this role. <laughs> He's like, I'm, I, paycheck time. Yeah, pin me, pay me. P- pin me, Although pay he did me. a good job. I, I liked him a lot in this. He was a yeah. fun character. I don't want to see him grovel to Bumblebee ever. Next up, here's the person that's not even listed here, but I'm going to throw him in. Ken. Jong. He was so funny. I laughed. I, legitimately, I got laughs from him. I actually did. I didn't laugh at all. I didn't laugh either. I don't, I'm an unpopular opinion alert. I don't care <laughs> for this guy. I don't think he's ever made me laugh. Ouch. Hangover? I didn't, I didn't like the hangover. Actually, he 
he made me laugh in the hangover. There's some chuckles there. Yeah, there was some. There was some. Couple overrated. Ouch. Okay, and finally, Francis McDormand. Here's another situation where I was like, hey, I'm gonna get some acting. I think that's I, a real actress. Uh, I, I'm gonna get some. Hey, game instead of we got double Z game. <laughs> this movie really made me question: Is Francis McDormand a good actress? Whoa! You better you check you better, yourself. You better think about what you just said. I'm serious. You know she is. She's good in Fargo. Burn After Reading is your fave, right? I didn't care for that movie. Another <laughs> Malkovich. Yeah. <laughs> Burn After Reading is hilarious. I didn't care for that movie. Really? McDormand? I thought she was terrible. <laughs> terrible. Really? Piss poor performance. Piss poor performance. <laughs> Personified. <laughs> I expect way more from an actor As that's supposed decorated. to be of her quality yeah. in this situation. I didn't get it. Hey, script writing and directing is to blame for that, and you know that's true because when the brothers get a hold of her, she's awesome. She walks in the same sphere as Tilda Swinton. She's up there, right? Oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't. I wouldn't put her up there. Ooh, I think, not anymore. I think. Whoa, I, you're docking her because of this, huh? She acted like an actress in a Michael the, Bay in movie. a Michael Bay movie. That's part of her. Like when she was in Fargo, I believe that she was from North Dakota. Like she, like Kevin's eating it up. He's he's, <laughs> he's over here like dancing and giggling, <laughs> so happy. Okay, so that's it. Kevin seems to disagree on all our picks. Martin and I liked everybody in this movie. Kevin didn't like any of them. No, 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 no. Me and Kevin found... Oh, yeah, Rosie Huntington-Whiteley to be the hottest woman on planet Earth. No, we... I, did, I, didn't, I didn't say that. Your eyes, <laughs> they looked hungry. <laughs> about a guy <laughs> from one bed to another. Your eyes look real hungry, bro. You should loop that. After I say, he's an attractive man. And like, like, Your eyes look hungry, bro. From one bed to Your eyes look hungry, bro. <laughs> okay, that's it. Let's get into the brief history. <laughs> Of Transformers Dark of the Moon. Although this is slightly abridged, this is a very long history. So if you're at home, I'd recommend you sit back, relax, kick off your heels, and just enjoy. <laughs> Let the history wash over you. <laughs> After Revenge of the Fallen was almost universally panned by critics, Bay acknowledged the general flaws of the script, having blamed the 2007-2008 Writers Guild of America strike prior to the film for many problems. Unlike the two previous Transformers installments, which were based solely on the scriptwriter's endemic story, Transformers Dark of the Moon was based on a novel called Transformers Ghosts of Yesterday, written by Alan Dean Foster. The novel is a prequel to the 2007 film Transformers. It follows the same story structure as Dark of the Moon, being set in 1969, the year of Apollo 11. The story structure differs slightly, though because the novel was written merely as a prequel to the first film. Due to the critically panned Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, Bay decided to remove the characters called the Twins entirely from Dark of the Moon. This one really builds to a final crescendo, said Bay. It's not three multiple endings. One thing we're getting rid of is what I call the dorky comedy. The twins are basically gone. Due to fan rumors that the twins would actually be in the film, the director made a public $25,000 bet that the twins would not be seen in Dark of the Moon. That's a shame, Kevin, because you loved the twins. They're your favorite movie characters, period, right? No, they were terrible. This is a very good decision. Suck my popsicle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Screenwriters Robert Orochi and Alex Kurtzman, who had worked on the two previous Transformers films, declined to return for the third film, with Kurtzman declaring that the franchise is so wonderful that it deserves to be fresh all the time. We just felt like we'd given it a lot and didn't have an insight for where to go with it next. Revenge of the Fallen's co-writer Aaron Kruger became the sole screenwriter for Dark of the Moon. Kruger had frequent meetings with Industrial Light and Magic's effects producers who suggested plot points such as scenes in Chernobyl. Bay was reluctant to film with 3D cameras since in tests he found them to be too cumbersome for his filming style, but he did not want to implement the technology in post-production either since he was not pleased with the results. In addition to using the 3D fusion camera rigs developed by James Cameron, Bay and the team spent nine months developing a more portable 3D camera that could be brought into location. Megan Fox was originally attached to the film and Patrick Dempsey's role as Dylan Gould was to be the employer of Fox's character, Michaela Baines. According to various published sources, Fox's absence from the film was due to Bay ultimately choosing not to renew her role in light of her comparing him and his work ethic to Adolf Hitler. Representatives for the actress said that it was her decision to leave the film franchise. Bay later revealed that Fox's comments particularly angered executive producer Steven Spielberg, which affected Bay's decision to remove her. I wasn't hurt, Bay stated, because I know that's just Megan. Megan loves to get a response and she does it in kind of the wrong way. I'm sorry, Megan. I'm sorry I made you work 12 hours. I'm sorry I'm making you show up on time. Movies are not always warm and fuzzy. Shia LaBeouf stated that this would be his last film in the series, also concluding that director Michael Bay would not return for the fourth installment, though it was later confirmed that Bay would return director <laughs> in the fourth film. Transformers Dark of the Moon's production costs were reported to be $195 million, with the cost of the 3D filming accounting at $30 million of the budget. On the last weekend of ILM's work on Dark of the Moon, the company's entire render farm was being used for the film. Given ILM more than 200,000 hours of rendering power a day, or equivalent to 22.8 years of rendering time in a 24-hour period, Dark of the Moon has been found to contain recycled footage from an earlier film directed by Michael Bay, The Island, Bay similarly recycled footage from his film Pearl Harbor in the 2007 film Transformers. The filming was temporarily delayed on September 2nd, 2010, when an extra was seriously injured during a stunt in Hammond, Indiana. Due to a failed weld, a steel cable snapped from a car being towed and hit the extra's car, damaging her skull. She had to undergo brain surgery. The injury has left her permanently brain damaged, paralyzed on her left side, and her left eye stitched shut. Paramount admitted responsibility for the accident and covered all of her medical costs. Nevertheless, her family filed a lawsuit on October 5th, citing seven counts of negligence against Paramount, DW Studios, and several other defendants, not including Bay, with total damages sought in excess of $350,000. I think you should get a little bit more than that. Transformers Dark of the Moon grossed how much worldwide? $700 million. $8 trillion. <laughs> no, like a billion so. dollars, probably. Kevin wins one billion one hundred twenty-three million seven hundred forty-six thousand nine hundred ninety-six dollars. Oh, eleven thousand million. Thank you. It is the highest-grossing film of the franchise and the tenth film to earn more than one billion dollars. It is also the second-highest-grossing film of 2011 worldwide, behind Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two. It is the fourth-highest-grossing film of all time worldwide and the highest-grossing film of Paramount DreamWorks in February 2012. 
2012. It was confirmed that Michael Bay will direct a fourth installment in the series and is scheduled for a theatrical release of June 29th, 2014. Now, Kevin, you may be interested to know that this movie was nominated for a couple of awards. Teen Choicers? For the 2012 Academy Awards. Best Award- Kiss. <laughs> 2012 Academy Awards. Best Visual Effects. Best Sound Mixing. Best Sound Editing. 2012 Golden Raspberry Awards. Nominated for Worst Picture. Worst Director. Worst Supporting Actor. Patrick Dempsey. Ken Jeong. Rosie Huntington-Whitley. And Worst Screenplay. Aaron Kruger. Worst Screen Couple. Shia LaBeouf and Rosie Huntington-Whitley. And finally, Worst Screen Ensemble for the entire cast of Transformers Dark of the Moon. That just sounds like the Golden Raspberry is trying to get some publicity and yeah. a combination of that and fallout from the previous movie. And finally, nominated for Choice Summer Movie, Choice Summer Movie Actor, <laughs> Choice Summer Movie Ooh, Actress at the 2011 right. Teen Choice Awards. Woo! Kevin's favorite. Way to go, teens. <laughs> you did it again. Teens, it's your chance for America to hear your voice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Transformers 3, Dark of the Moon. So this movie starts off in typical yes, that bad style with a flashback. But unlike the usual Steven Summers style flashback, I enjoyed this flashback immensely. It takes place during the 1960s during the space race where the United States government is trying to get to the moon, not because just for the hell of it, like we did initially, we, uh, well, uh, or the uh, space race. Uh, Instead, uh, initially it was a, we were at war with Russia. But in this movie, in the universe of Transformers, the reason they're going to the moon is because there's a Transformer spaceship up there and they want to go check it out. And they have to go get there before the Russians do. Kevin, what did you think of this? This was awesome. This was such a cool idea. And I really, from the first second that I knew what was going on, I was like, this is wasted in this stupid Transformers movie. It should have been a full-blown movie, right? Exactly. Such a really like new and different idea on something that happened so long ago. It was really cool. And they should do it and not even have it be Transformers, just have it be an alien spaceship, right? Yeah. And like the Russians know about it and America knows about it and uh-huh. like, they're racing to get up there. That is a hell of a Super movie. Super cool. Right? Yeah. Now let's think back to the previous flashback with the giant Transformers stopping at cavemen. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting point because after this flashback, we cut to the future and it show, it's it's a voiceover by Optimus Prime saying how he is part of like a special ops team that works with America and they go on secret missions. So they're in the Middle East. I guess I think it's I believe it's supposed to be Iran trying to stop a nuclear program there. And just like the cavemen, where there's these superior beings killing these irrelevant organisms, why why do the Autobots care what the humans do? He said that he's gonna protect us from ourselves or something along those lines. I was like, whoa. If, I mean, wait, I mean, it's I a mean, slippery slope. I there. mean, okay, okay. So he's gonna protect us from from ourselves. Is he God? Is he is he like a God complex? And because there's another character in this movie that has it and then acts on it, and then Optimus is upset on it. But isn't that exactly what he's doing in the intro? I mean, they basically seem like they're our weapons. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, he can say whatever he wants, but we have nuclear a nuclear arsenal. Why would he? Why would they care to stop another country from getting? something that we already have. Wouldn't they want to stop us from having it if it's such a bad thing? If they really cared about peace on our planet, they would just make all weapons useless and void. This is ridiculous. I I just don't understand why they care what humans do at all. Why do they care? Okay, so we cut to the introduction of Megan Fox's replacement. In a Haynes commercial style. Yeah, this is pretty much a Victoria's Secrets commercial, Mm -hmm. essentially. Because that's what she was. She was a model. And Michael Bay was originally Victoria's Secret commercial director. Model. He was a Victoria's Secret model. Yeah, Michael 
Michael Bay used to model their underwear. So we follow behind her, but as she's walking upstairs and... The camera is right there on her ass. Yes. And it right never lets there. go. Nope. It's probably the best character introduction I've ever seen. Okay, so this girl's dressed up in nothing but a dress shirt. Yeah, boyfriend's dress. Which is interesting shirt. because Shia LaBeouf is jobless. Yeah, okay. A couple of questions here. First up, Shia LaBeouf is essentially homeless bum. How did that happen? In this plot, he went to an Ivy League school in part two. He graduated and now he can't get a job. Hey man, it's a tough economy out there. It really is. I feel his pain. His parents were giving him a hard time because he didn't get a job three months out of school. Like, all right, mom and dad, relax. It's not the 70s anymore, you know? It's kind of hard to get a job these days. Because of you. It's your fault. Yeah, this is your fault. He he should be yelling at you, not, not the other way around. Yeah, okay, so Shia LaBeouf has no money. He has crippling student loans, I can only imagine. His family's not rich. Mm-hmm. Yet, he lives in this enormous apartment slash warehouse slash loft mm-hmm. slash mansion with chandeliers. I don't know what this space is, but he essentially rents out this entire building for himself. This place is big enough to house an entire Transformer when Bumblebee comes to visit later on. And accidentally hits the giant crystal chandelier. Yeah, he, he can fully stand up. Up in this place. How Shy is living here, I don't know. I don't get it. I assumed it was her place. Yeah, I think it's her place. I mean, she's like the right hand gal of this super uber wealthy guy. How does a schlub, and that's the term I'm going to use. <laughs> Like Shia LaBeouf's character, Sam Witwicky, land an A-plus Victoria's Secret model slash diplomat. You saw how they met. He got the President's Medal of Honor. Yeah, he charmed her, right? He By knocking over one of the White House's priceless, whatever. Heirlooms. Vases. Yeah. It exploded. Abraham Lincoln peed in a pot somewhere and they put it out. <laughs> Put it on a table. I had to listen to you two go on and on about what a beefcake he is. And now you're going to tell me that you don't understand how we got this girl? Kevin, this is a movie. Separate Shia LaBeouf <laughs> the man from Sam Witwicky the character. And I'm saying that this character is a goofus. A doofus. How does this loser land a super rich, super hot Victoria's Secret model? He charmed her. He whined her. He dined her, I guess. I don't know. With what money? Yeah, that's the immediate thought that goes through my mind. How does a girl like that, like, put up with a bum, essentially. She has a bum in this movie. Broke. It's a joke. He ain't got no smoke. <laughs> what? What is that? What? <laughs> I did not choose that word very carefully. <laughs> I don't. I don't even know what that. I, I don't. I don't know what that means. Like, During this sequence of events, like we get in kind of rapid succession, a little bit of uh, info, a little info dump to get us up to speed. So apparently, the events at the end of Transformers Two actually did happen. <laughs> they didn't just like forget about them. They did happen. They're gonna keep them in the continuity because the world at large is aware of the Autobots. There's Energon detectors in the cities now, right? Shia LaBeouf spilled the beans and he told his girlfriend everything that he knows and what he's been through. I was kind of surprised when that happened because we find out that Shia told her everything before we find out that everybody in the world knows about the Transformers. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, whoa, why would he give up this super secret? Like, I thought he would keep that to himself. Maybe that's how he got her. Maybe so, maybe so. Okay, so we find out that those uh, those annoying little mini Transformers from the second movie are back. Why they came back, I don't know. I mean, that was a stupid move. And we find out that Megan Fox dumped 
Shia LaBeouf in between these two movies. They they mentioned a couple interesting things about Megan Fox. They're like, he finally wants to get a girl that likes him for who he is, and he found a new girl that's better. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting, right? The way to send off the character. And they do this multiple times in the movie, like when they reference Megan Fox. Oh, and the little Transformers are like, oh, I didn't like her. She was mean. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? Yeah, Michael Bay is a baby. Mm-hmm. A giant man baby? He's a giant man baby. It's like, Mish. she made fun Megan of me. Megan fun of me. I'm writing you in my script. I mean, that was obviously done out of spite. Which is interesting, too, because, I mean, those two characters, at the end of the last movie, they were professing their love to each other, right? Like, that was the big deal. Yeah. And now they just threw that away. Okay, by the way, I have, I have a very interesting note that I made around this part of the movie. So, I wrote here, this should have been part two, and this movie looks great. Agreed. Kevin, do you argue with that second part? No, absolutely not. I thought this movie was shot brilliantly. Say what you will about Michael Bay. That guy knows how to use a movie camera. Yep. This movie looked fantastic. Leaps and bounds better than the second one. Not only yeah. that, but it wasn't jarring in the way that no. the it, the story was told in a very dynamic yet coherent way. I could actually follow what was going on this time around. Yeah, absolutely. Even during the big battle scenes, yep. I yep. could follow everything that was going on. It's amazing. Like, he finally nailed it. Like, he finally got it. Mm-hmm. This is what this is supposed to be. There was no shaky cam. This is the extreme close-ups were, you know, toned down. Mm-hmm. I, I could follow everything that was going on. I thought the shots looked great. Great compositions. Just, like, the colors were great. Mm-hmm. This is a beautiful-looking movie. Like, you got a kudos to you, Michael Bay. Absolutely. This looked fantastic. Now, on the whole thing about this being Transformers 2, let's assume that the events of Transformers 2 never happened. Like, Shia LaBeouf went to college in between 1 and 3, and that's it. But the events of 2 never happened, mm-hmm. and we just jump from Transformers 1 to Transformers 3, and we just say, oh, he graduated from college, and Megan Fox dumped him. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's, right? and, and I'm fine with that. The events are still the same, because the Transformers showed themselves to the humans in the first one, mm-hmm. right? I think that if you were a person who, that's never seen the Transformers movies, I think it's fair to say, see part 1, skip to C3, and you'd be okay. The only thing is, isn't 2 where we're introduced and explained, like the matrix of leadership is explained to us? That is true. It's in this movie for like a millisecond. Yeah, which, by the way, when it appeared, a, I laughed. I started laughing oh, when it Oh, so did I. It, so did I. It's, 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 it's explained cursory in this movie what it is, though. Yeah, done. Yeah. Okay, look. After the parents pack up their RV and, I guess, hit the road, um, it shows essentially what Optimus and Gang are up to, battle-wise, and we get introduced to Shockwave. He, I guess, is a master of this weird Tremors-esque worm robot. Yep, which... the wiggly worm. <laughs> Tremors. I was thinking that the whole time, too. Like, it looks just like metallic Tremors. Yeah, <laughs> crossed with, like, the Sentinels from the Matrix or you know, something. You know what, though? Whoever did the CG work and the design work on this thing, my hat's off them. It looks really, really cool. Could you guys pick apart who's who this time around better? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. And I loved this worm thing. It was super cool. Yes. It was really, it was really, it's interaction with the building later on in the movie. Awesome. Unbelievable. Awesome. The, the effects just look so much better in this one, right? Like, they really oh, yeah. look like they're there. Yep. You know what's interesting, too? At this point, after we're introduced to what's going on with Optimus and his gang, they show, I guess, uh, the other the other side of what's going on with Megatron and his crew. They're introducing him in Africa, and they show a herd of elephants, and then you see this being. This is so dumb. With a Frankenstein-esque robot? Yeah. Like, he, he has he has his Igor with him, correct? Mm-hmm. His head has been ripped apart, but there is... Did that is, happen in the second one, I guess? I think so. I, I, I'm just assuming. I don't know. I fell asleep. But what, what he's wearing, and I figured it out later what on in the What about what he says when he first appears? That's oh, what pissed me off. My little fragile one? No, when Megatron is 
was first introduced in this movie, he opens his mouth and <clears throat> unleashes a lion's roar. Yeah. My eyes started rolling non-stop. They're still spinning. Yeah, yeah I know. they are. They're just <laughs> <laughs> You know, Megatron's supposed to be the big bad villain, yeah. but from the start of this trilogy, he's been a joke. Uh-huh. He's been a pathetic joke. He was destroyed by a goofball kid in the first one. Mm-hmm. He got slapped around silly in the second one. Mm-hmm. And in this one, he plays second banana fiddle to <laughs> <laughs> Leonard Nimoy. The rarest of fiddles. I completely agree. He he seems to, to, to hide from Optimus. It's bizarre. Whereas he He's sh- like a homeless man in this movie. <laughs> it turns out that there is a piece of alien technology at Chernobyl. So the Autobots... This is a detour that I don't think we needed. In this yeah, movie. so it, it, it turns out that this piece of technology is from the original ship that was on the side of the moon. The entire reason that everybody... Yeah, apparently the during the original Cybertron War, this one ship escaped at the last second. It had technology on it that could have ended the war in the Autobots' favor. The Autobots' grand leader is on there. And the ship ship's called the Ark, which I thought was funny because that's also the name of the ship from Beast Wars. I know. Uh, oh, of course. I was very happy to hear that. And the ship lands on the moon and their leader, who is played by Leonard Nimoy, Sentinel Prime, he goes to sleep on the moon and that's it. That's where he rests. He takes a nap. The thing I didn't understand was Optimus confronts the humans and said, you lied to us. You he was didn't. so pissed off, Optimus Prime. Remember, he was so angry. He was throwing- it was, it was really he's, funny. He's like, he's like, this is a piece to the engine of the Ark. I'm like, he just glanced at it. He <laughs> Like, what is he, a mechanic? (laughs) He threw a Teen Choice Awards level hissy fit when he found out about this. Best hissy fit. Optimus Optimus Prime. Prime. He was so angry. And then three seconds later, Buzz Aldrin walks in. Why? And then immediately, Optimus Prime is like, oh, 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 I'm so sorry. Like, he he, he forgets that he's all pissed off. And he's like, the honor is mine. That was so dumb. Why would he be honored? To meet an astronaut. Yeah, that's so stupid. Somebody explain this to me. Optimus Prime was honored to meet Buzz Aldrin. The honor is mine. I was in space this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Later in the movie, they're talking about how everybody on Cybertron, they were like gods. Even the lowliest pauper was a god. Yeah, Optimus Prime is like, wow, what an honor to meet you, Buzz Aldrin. Great. (laughs) The second guy on the moon. (laughs) (laughs) What's the matter? Neil is too busy. <laughs> so I was really confused. Were they saying that Chernobyl, like the accident at Chernobyl, it was, was that's exactly because, yes, said. that's exactly what they said. That's kind of cool too. That is alien-related technology. Yeah, that's kind of cool too. That, that that's what really happened. And they, they sold up. the people the story that it was a nuclear explosion, but in reality, they were fiddling around with alien tech. It was blew up in their faces. It was nuclear. It's just it turned out that the nuclear source was alien in nature. Yeah, that's that's, that's a pretty cool idea too. Okay. I'm get behind that. At this point, it shows that Sam Witwicky, for whatever reason, is not allowed to interact with the Autobots at all, even though he is the reason they're on Earth, which is really confusing to me. It's almost it's almost as if the government said, Sam, you can't interact with them, and the Autobots are like, okay. How about this? I thought this was interesting. Shia LaBeouf does not interact directly with Optimus Prime until like an hour and a half into the movie. Bizarre. I wrote that down. I was like, whoa, that's kind of weird. Yeah. It's also in this scene that we're introduced to two new characters, a old James Bond Q-esque character that makes he gadgets. He like Albert Einstein. 
And it even said it in the Wikipedia that he's modeled after Einstein. He looked dumb. Yeah, he looked really stupid. And a Italian robot. Was he Italian? I knew he had an accent. Why would these things have accents? I thought the same thing. Why do they have accents? Because later on we get like a Scottish or a British or a Guy Ritchie. Yeah, why? <laughs> he was a Guy, guy Ritchie's was a, a guy country. Ritchie. <laughs> guy Ritchie's a nation. <laughs> and then why Why did the Einstein one, like why does he like have the facial structure of a human being? And where hair. The, where the rest of them don't have that. So Shia, he goes to his interviews. He finally has some success. He goes to see his girlfriend and she's at work where she works for this gazillionaire. Buzzillionaire. Buzzillionaire. You got Sorry, it. Sorry, we got this. Brazillionaire. Oh, um, she's his assistant? I guess so. I wasn't really clear on what her job was, but. I thought she was like a curator of the auto museum. Irrelevant. Okay, so after that scene, we're then treated to Sentinel Prime's reanimation with the Matrix of Leadership. Yeah, we all know what that is, right? We, oh. <laughs> after the event of the last, after the unforgettable event of Transformers <laughs> 2, we all know what the Matrix of Leadership is. It's just a Matrix of Leadership. It's a, you know, it's graph. Yeah, it's like a grid. That's what I picture in my head. It's like a grid. <laughs> it's a grid. It's a it's it's a grid of like a Cartesian. It's a, it's, yeah. a, it's a Cartesian grid, and it shows where leadership is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Monte Carlo simulation yeah, of leadership. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of it's it's a, it's it's a scatter graph of leadership. Okay, so yeah, they bring him back to life with this stupid <clears throat> thing. This is isn't this the very thing that sent Shia LaBeouf to Robot Heaven in the last one, Kevin? Uh, yeah. So it's I got think, magic I robot powers, think so? right? I don't remember what it really. It turns out that Optimus Prime is the only one that can reanimate Sentinel Prime with the Matrix of Leadership. Man, when you have a thing like that, why don't you use it all the time? Like when the robots are getting blown up and shot, like just keep reanimating. Yeah, them. just keep poking them with this thing and <laughs> come back. I guess Sentinel Prime is brought back to life, and he explains to the head of the NSA that he has created a system of gates that violates what we believe are the laws of physics. He somehow was briefed on what we believe the laws of physics are, and. <laughs> immediately knows that his machine violates that. <laughs> I don't know how he did that. Sentinel Prime was needed to activate this teleportation system. Essentially what it does is it transports Cybertron to wherever these gates are located. And that's unbelievable. Transporting an entire planet through space and time? That's that's something else. <laughs> so all I gotta say about that is that's, that's something else. I don't know where the power source for this is and I I can only imagine how much energy would be required to warp space-time that much to get a sun the size of a planet there, but good good for Sentinel Prime. I'm glad you <laughs> were able to do that. He really is a god. <laughs> yeah, right? Jeez. Get ready for a plot twist, because this plot's about to get twisted all over the place. Pretzel. Turns out that Sentinel Prime was in cahoots with Megatron the whole time. He Sean beans it up. Sentinel Prime is going to work with Megatron to teleport Cybertron to Earth so that they can use Earth's natural resources. What's that resource? Human beings. I got a problem with this, actually. <laughs> I got a bone to pick. They're going to rebuild Cybertron with human beings that are w- like a thousand times weaker than one uh-huh. Transformer. Yeah, uh, human <clears throat> beings are extremely weak. Human beings are extremely stupid. Extremely so, fragile. What they are they require do? Like, a lot of resources. Are the, are the humans going to build more robots? What? The technology is like infinitely more advanced. And complex. Yeah. It makes no sense. Okay, so it's around this time period where we get a highway action sequence. Awesome. With Bumblebee being chased by 
a bunch of the Decepticons. By the way, this is the scene that people are talking about that he recycled from the island. And it's 100% correct. He reused like the background plate from the island. And then he just threw a bunch of Transformers on top of it. I don't care because it's what- It's kind of interesting. Because the part that make the things in this scene that make it interesting to me are what the characters are doing and the way that they're interacting with Shia LaBeouf. What impressed me the most about this, because the last movie had a highway scene in mm-hmm. it too. The difference is in this movie, I could follow what the hell was going on. Yeah. I could very clearly and concisely see what was going on. Do you think that's a side effect of the fact that they had a shooter in 3D and Michael Bay is such a stickler for wanting it to be crystal clear? Because he did a lot of stuff, they said, to make it so you could see maybe. it well in 3D. Yeah, maybe. That, and I think they had a screenwriter that wrote a good script and then the storyboarder was able to work well with that. Okay, so speaking of the 3D, there's a section here where Bumblebee transforms and Shia goes flying out of him mm-hmm. while he's transforming and all this stuff is exploding and he's like flying into the screen towards us in 3D in slow-mo. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if this was really cool or really stupid. I'll leave this up to the panel. Thoughts? I thought it was great. I could, I, for something so complex and intricate, I could follow the movements of all the pieces and how Shia was moving through the air and then back into the car. I was extraordinarily impressed um, with the graphics in this scene. I loved it. I loved everything about this chase scene. This whole highway chase scene from start to finish was by far my favorite part of any of these Transformer movies. I can understand that. It looked great. It looked really cool. I could tell the Transformers from one another. It's frustrating that it took this long, halfway through the third movie. He finally figured it out. To figure out what this movie should be. Okay, so now it turns out that the Autobots are going to be exiled because Sentinel Prime has betrayed Optimus Prime. The Autobots take off in the space shuttle. It gets blown up. It looked really cool. It was shot phenomenally well. Hey, by the way, did you guys notice that John Malkovich just disappeared from this movie at this point? Yes. And never to return? Yeah. He got his paycheck and he left. Yeah, he's like, I'm done. I'm going to go cash this. See you guys later. (laughs) With the Autobots gone, the Decepticons, they rise up. Rise of the Fallen, you might say. Revenge of the... <laughs> yeah, so this this is definitely the rise of the fallen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they take over Chicago. And I really like the way this looks. Like, they have their... Chi-Town. They, my town. <laughs> they have their Lockheed Martin Orbital Zeppelin <laughs> ships that blow up Chicago. They look pretty cool. <laughs> I didn't like the ships in this. I don't like this new design that I've been seeing a lot lately with, like, spaceships. But they have, like, tentacles. Yeah. Is, this, is this because of the Matrix? No, it's from... They're overlords from StarCraft. Well, whatever. I, it's stupid they're looking. Part of the, they're part of the Zerg. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. I'm making StarCraft references. So the Decepticons are raising hell. They're going around. They're shooting people. They're exploding mm-hmm. into dust. I thought that looked pretty cool. People are actually dying in this movie. Yeah, it was and surprising. I, and I was surprised and happy about it because it made the movie more believable. And yeah, the it stakes me, are higher the stakes, the stakes are higher. Something, it, it matters. What they do matters. They're actually, because in the first two movies, they're rolling around cities and no one is getting hurt. That's impossible. But this is believable. People are getting killed. They're getting murdered. So while this is going on, uh, Shia LaBeouf is hanging out with Tyrese Gibson and these little mini spaceships are coming by and shooting at them. And then literally from out of nowhere, from thin air, Optimus Prime materializes <laughs> and then blows up the ship. 
I was like, where the hell did this asshole come from? Like, what is this? He's like, I was just kidding. I was just off frame the whole time. <laughs> okay, so now we're treated to about an hour of battle scenes in Chicago. Yeah. They're, they're pretty cool. Especially they're cool. Humans in, actually kill robots. Yeah, I, I did like that. Like, the humans actually did something in this movie. They actually took down robots using teamwork. Shia LaBeouf kills Starscream. Yeah, but the scene that really steals this for me is when the military guys come in in their planes. They parachute in. They they used, ha- they're wearing, like, parachute suits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And they're, they're wearing, just flying through the city. Yeah. There's they're wearing a shot. the Mario raccoon suit. Exactly. They jump out of the planes in slow motion. I thought this shot looked amazing. Yeah, I agree. I was like, oh my God. Because when they, they're coming out of the plane and we see that, like, this is a lot going on. Like, they're on their fire. The other... Things are spinning. The other yeah, one's about to crash up. into them. If they don't jump at the correct time... I, I was actually on the edge of my seat. I yeah, thought, I, me too. I, I thought that the, the other helicopter was going to hit them and kill them or some might make it some It looked long. so good. And then they cut to that one shot where one of the guys is like pinned to the wing of the plane that's going down. Like he's stuck. He's going to die. I was like, man, this is really cool. Like, great people, job. People died in this scene. Yeah, it, was, it was awesome. And Shia LaBeouf and his group, they're in this like building that's toppling over. They do this cool shot where they jump out of the building. And, and then shoot the glass. Yeah, yeah, it was they, awesome. They look like they were going to fall to their death, but like at the angle that they were at, they slid down. It was amazing. And by the way, did you guys notice that the music around this part sounded exactly like Inception? Yeah. It's like, brum. And even the music after that sounded exactly like Inception. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of interesting. This whole part seemed very Nolan-esque to me. Yeah. And I think it was because of the music yep. and the fact that it, it was basically all the places that Batman has been shot in. Yeah, yeah. Like the combination of those, like not that the substance of the film had anything to do with what Nolan would shoot, but it, it had that feel to, to it for some reason. What ends up happening around this point is that Sentinel Prime activates the pillars and he teleports Cybertron into Earth's orbit, which by the way, you get a thing that big yes. next to the planet yes. Earth. Yes. It's, it's bigger than Earth. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally bigger than the planet Earth. That's going to cause a little damage to the gravitational pull of the planet, right? Yeah, we would just go spinning off into space. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wasn't... I, no, I, wait, wait, no, 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 no. Wouldn't we be sucked into its gravitational pull and, like, crash into it? No, I got to think that, that the combination of that thing just appearing... It would just start spinning around. It would just it would spin wildly and out of orbit, I would imagine. <laughs> Us? We would? Both! We would die instantly if that happened. Sure, instantly. You know what? I, I'm, I'm not going to pretend to know what would happen uh, <laughs> physics-wise. I have no idea. I know that there probably would be a, a pretty big change. Dire consequences. In, in, in my notes, all I had about Cybertron getting teleported there gravitationally was, so if a quarter of Cybertron is just sitting next to Earth, dot, yes! dot, 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 question mark, because uh, obviously something dramatic would happen uh, apocalyptically to our entire planet. <laughs> well, how about this? A little, like, half of Cybertron pops into space, right? Mm-hmm. When the portal's open, they shut the portal off. So what does that mean? Does Cybertron get slashed in half? It's like a black hole sucks the... Does it go back? <laughs> well, it what, sucks what is... just that in. Yeah, it leaves the Earth alone. Yep, no effect. <laughs> it violates our physics, and it's definitely violating my physics. So. Kevin, these you know robots what? were born in a world you just oh, don't you understand. Oh, you you bastard. The long story short, let's just wrap this up here. Optimus Prime defeats Sentinel Prime. Sentinel Prime actually begs for mercy. 
Yeah. 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 is blood hungry in this in this scene. He murders. He slaughters Megatron. He rips his head off. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So first, Optimus Prime kills Sentinel Prime as he's begging for his life. Then Megatron shows up, who, by the way, has done nothing in this movie. He finally appears. All of a sudden, in the distance, I heard someone say, finish him. And like Sub-Zero, he rips his head off. Just like Sub-Zero. Like you see his robotic spinal, spinal column. column. Yeah. Optimus Prime decapitates Megatron with his bare hand. It's like, wow, this is crazy. And blood shoots everywhere. How? Yeah, how does that happen? Yeah, there was a lot of blood from these robots in this movie. Yeah. And pretty stupid. It's oil. It's lubricating fluid, it's as I said red. in the first movie. It's bright red oil. <laughs> this ending was awesome. Like that? You know I what? I love the fact that he... He just murdered them. He just went nuts. Yeah. Like, you murdered all these people. You... You gotta go. You gotta go. <laughs> listen, listen. I'm, 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 I'm gonna make the argument that Optimus Prime, by leaving the planet, murdered way more people than, than these yeah. guys did. And I'm also gonna say that Optimus Prime is insane. <laughs> He's a lunatic. Yeah, so the movie ends in the typical Transformers fashion with Optimus Prime looking into the heavens and giving one last stupid speech before we cut to Linkin Park. Let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie. Transformers Dark of the Moon is a visually ugly film with an incoherent plot, wooden characters, and inane dialogue. It provided me with one of the more unpleasant experiences I've had at the movies. Roger Ebert, Chicago Sun-Times. Visually ugly? To say this movie's ugly is absurd. This movie was beautiful. Absolutely. I miraculously survived a preview screening with a throbbing headache and slight nausea. Others may not be so lucky. Lou Luminek, New York Post. Watching Transformers Dark of the Moon makes you die a little inside. Is this the future of movies? God help us. Michael Bay, you've done it again. <laughs> Peter Travers, Rolling Stone. Okay, guys, so this movie currently holds a 35% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it really that bad? No, no, emphatically no. I enjoyed this movie. This is one of the biggest surprises I've ever had in my cinema-going experience. After the second one almost killed me, <laughs> I was sure that this one was going to do finish finish the deed. It was going to put me down. But I found myself getting involved and the story was entertaining. It was visually epic. And to say that it was you know, uh, boring, visually unappealing is complete garbage. These critics, I think, need to either get their head or eyes examined. And I think that this movie is probably at like a 60, I, I think it should be like a 55, 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think that that would be a fair score for it. It was entertaining. I had a good time. I think Michael Bay fixed the majority of the, of the mistakes and errors that he is criticized for. Which I give this movie a solid three out of five. Enjoyable. This is one of the best looking movies I've ever seen. Every bit with the Transformers was amazing, easy to follow. This is so much better than the second one. That being said, this movie is so long. It was like two and a half hours. It's super complex for something that doesn't need to be. I didn't like the acting. There were a few things about the story in the beginning I liked, but they just kind of fell apart because it got so complex and stupid. I'm going to say that there's a few scenes to catch on DVD or on television, but 
but it, I didn't like this movie in, in all. And I'm going to give it a two out of five. Okay. I don't know if it's the ultraviolet talking, but I enjoyed this movie immensely. And I was shocked. Just like you, I was shocked. I did not expect to like this movie at all. I went into this movie expecting to see a horrendous piece of crap because that's what everybody was talking about when this came out. Everybody was just complaining about how horrible it was, especially riding high off the second one. I mean, come on. That was a nightmare of a movie. And I was expecting more of the same, really. That movie gave me a nightmare when I felt when I fell asleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they, you're right. They corrected all the mistakes that were in the second one. I mean, they toned down the stupidity level immensely. You can actually follow what the hell was going on. The action scenes were actually cool. It was just a good movie. It's a fun movie. It was well shot, beautifully done. Very impressed with Michael Bay. I'm going to give this a light four out of five. I really enjoyed Ooh. my viewing of this. I'm actually with you. I'm hearing you say that it is making me hesitant to not give it a four out of five, but I can't. I got to keep it at a three. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Very, I, very strong solid I three. cannot believe I'm giving this movie this high of a score, but I was just so impressed by this thing. By the way, full disclosure, I think that I'm benefiting by the way I saw this movie. I didn't watch it in its entirety. I kind of split it in half, and I think that really helped. Because, Kevin, you watched it in a single sitting, right? Yeah, I, I started at like 7.30 on a weeknight, and by the time it was done, I was just ready to go to bed. It was like 10 o'clock. I felt like I'd been through an ordeal. I still think I like the first one better. I think I'd go 1-3-2. Have you seen it recently? I've seen pieces of it recently. Yeah, I'm gonna go 3-1-2. I'm at a 3-1-2 right now also. Which is weird to say that part 3 is the best of the trilogy. I'm actually genuinely interested to see what they do for 4. Like, if he can he top this? Because this is pretty impressive. I hope so. I mean, there's just so much cool stuff in it. We didn't even talk about the worm ripping apart the building or anything like that. Like The movie is so long. I had I have so much to say about it. and I Yeah, I took like two pages of notes. You took three. I really enjoyed it. Okay, let's read some listener mail. Tom writes in and says, Hello again from the vast pine woodlands south of LBI. Just listened to the Perfect Storm and Ultraviolet episodes and had a story to share. I'm hopeful you don't have to run my email through Google Translate to decipher my South Jersey English. When I moved to California a few years ago, I got there at night and checked into my hotel. After being alone in my car for days, I did what any other 99%er would do and went to the lobby bar, which was dead on a weekday night. I sat down and talked to the bartender for a few minutes before none other than William Fickner came in and sat down. I thought he looked familiar, but I couldn't place him at the time. Being the only two people at the bar, we talked in BS for a few rounds, mostly about the Northeast. He's from the Buffalo area and whatever game was on the bar's TV. He was a really cool guy and ended up being the first person I met when I moved and probably the nicest actor celebrity I dealt with during my time there. What do you think of that? That's awesome. Patrick writes in, Kevin, although nobody got your Monta Ellis reference a few episodes back, I was cracking up. <laughs> I, I like how he knows no one else on earth got your, your reference. <laughs> Me and Joel didn't get it, and no one else on earth got it except him. <laughs> Just wanted you to know that there is at least one NBA fan among the hordes of Yes That Bad listeners. So my question for all of you is about TV shows. I have listened to all the podcasts, and I can't remember you saying which ones you watch. I picture Joel as being big into Battlestar Galactica, Martin as an ultimate Ninja Warrior fan, and it seems like Kevin would be into Parks and Rec or community. Is there any truth to my accusations? If not, which shows do you watch and don't come with any of that? I don't really watch TV crap because I know you're lying. I watch TV, but 
but I watch it on the internet um, at my leisure. What TV shows do I like? Use your own schedule. <laughs> yes. Right after I get on the queue at the supermarket, I check my schedule. Yeah, you took the lift and you took, took the lift. Took I off your trousers. In and- the morning, I took my vitamins. <laughs> <laughs> Aluminium. <laughs> Aluminium foil. Okay. Uh, all right. All right. Enough. enough. Okay. I think like anybody else, I watch The Walking Dead. I actually just started getting into Louis with Louis C.K. Uh, that's on FX. Watch It's Always Sunny. You know, just just the usual suspects for people that really don't have a lot of time to dedicate to watching television. You pick and choose which ones you think are the best, and that's it. I probably watch way more television than both you guys. Yeah, I barely watch TV. I have my DVR recording constantly. I watch Mad Men. I watch The Walking Dead. Uh, I don't watch Community or Parks and Rec. I've actually never seen either one of them. Big Bang Theory, House, and I'm very excited that um, River Monsters is coming back to Discovery Channel. You want awesome. to do some noodling. You want to noodle someone. <laughs> you stick your hand down their mouth. <laughs> I barely watch TV these days anymore. And if I do, it's probably going to be on the internet. Last big shows that I watched were Breaking Bad, which is probably amongst the best TV shows ever. ever. made. Yeah. yeah, unbelievably good TV show. And I topped off Sherlock from the BBC. That was fun. But yeah, that's about it. I don't watch that much TV. I kind of have my eye on Game of Thrones. I watch that whenever the hell I get around to it. Who knows? Oh, and I also have over here in my a pile, I've got Dexter and Mad Men that needs to be watched. And who the hell knows when I'll get around to watching that? Aaron writes in and says, Gentlemen, have you considered or will you ever consider having a listener on as a guest one week? Maybe you could hold a contest, the winner of which could join you on an episode. Kevin, Martin, maybe you could convince Boss Man Joel to give you a night off, and one of us could fill in for you a whole week from watching soul-crushingly bad cinema. We'll probably leave you feeling refreshed and less angry. I just went back and listened to the Freddy Got Fingered episode, and it's hilarious how genuinely pissed off you became, Martin. What do you say? I don't know. Uh, I think that's up. That's up for everybody else. There decide. is zero chance you're gonna do that, Joel. <laughs> zero chance. <laughs> what makes you say that? That would be so much work for you. It would be a ton of work. And you, sir, do not like work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's well documented. <laughs> Which is funny because Joel does a lot of work. <laughs> For someone that hates work so much, Joel works quite a bit. He's maxed out right now. You can't get him to do an inch more work. I I wouldn't expect him to do any more work. Okay, Ashton writes in and says... He's got, a, he's got a couple questions here. He wants to know what the hell's going on with Kevin and the Pirates of the Caribbean. We'll get to it someday. Yeah, patience. Ma- patience is a virtue. Is the Hunger Games good? As a side note, I didn't like the Lord of the Rings because they left out so much from the books. They could have made it at least three more movies with all that was left out. <laughs> Kevin is not happy with that. <laughs> I am not happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. I would not have been able to sit through nope. nine plus hours nope. of that or whatever. Uh-uh. What I had to sit through regularly was enough. Was enough. Too yeah. much. Was the Hunger Games good? I the liked theaters. it. How about you guys go see it? I, I enjoyed it. I liked it too. I'm reading the book now because of the movie, so that tells you something. As requested, what's your favorite video game? I have a three-way tie. World of Warcraft for sheer love or for sheer lore and background into the universe and social interaction. Assassin's Creed 2 for the neat historical basis and pure epicness. And Portal, Portal 2 for intellectual stimulation. Hey, guess what, Ashton? You just clued me into how old you are. <laughs> 
You are nowhere near 20 years old. Okay, favorite video games? Oh, man. My favorite is Ocarina of Time, hands down. It That, I don't know, that occupied like three years of my life, brought me into like another world. After that, it would probably be uh, Super Mario World for Super Nintendo. 19, 1991, that was a real classic. <sighs> I'm close to saying Super Mario World 3 for Nintendo for number 3. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna stick with it. I'm gonna go with that. I loved Final Fantasy 7 like a lot of people did. Ocarina of Time for sure, but I'm gonna give it to Super Mario Brothers 3. That that was probably my favorite because that that game you could play through a billion times and never get sick of it. God, that game was good. Did you like the original or Mario All-Stars version? Original. Place in my heart. This is a tough question. If you ask me what I think is the best video game ever made, like just objectively, I'm gonna say Tetris. But my favorite video game, Tony Hawk's Underground 1. It's a tough decision, but there is no other game in my library that I have played as much as I have played this thing. You still play it. I still play, like, regularly. That thing came out, like, in 2003 or something, and I still play it all the time. And I'm still finding, like, new things in it, which is amazing. That's an amazingly well-made game. I love it. As for my runners-up, like, what are my favorite video games of all time? Sega Genesis, there's Gunstar Heroes, Contra Hardcore, Ristar. Huh. I don't know. I, I mentioned some obscure stuff. Uh, Plock? Yeah, Plock. Let's get the hell out of here. Yeah, he loves, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I could go on and on and on and on about this. So he I loved, think we should just leave it and move on. But yeah, finished, great he, question. He finished Ikaruga without getting hit once. Yeah, oh, no, I, I did uh, two players at the you same time. two players at the same time. One <laughs> controller <laughs> in each hand. Yeah, playing Ikaruga. He's he's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he beat Soul Calibur 2 with the fishing, fishing, controller. With the fishing controller for Dreamcast. It was great. Remember that? Of course. <laughs> I had that fishing I controller. I say that as if I actually did it. <laughs> Remember that? Okay, one last email. Sean writes in and says, a handful of times we have heard that Martin laughs so hard he vomits. Does Martin have a weak, weak, weak stomach or some sort of weird laughing disorder? I've never heard of this. Also, Joel, that German potato supermark, <gasps> P90X? Oh. If so, props to you, bro. I cannot stand Tony Horton. It's like having Michael Scott as your trainer. <laughs> I would literally rather work out with Nick Cage as my guide. Nick Cage wouldn't tell you to go to beachbody.com, though. <laughs> hey, look, you're going to hate it. But you're going <laughs> to love, love it. it. You know, I tried to hire a couple of hot shots for this podcast. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. <laughs> you know, we got Kevin here. He's a, da- <laughs> He's a dancer. He's an aerialist. He flies through the air with the greatest of ease. <laughs> Look at these teeth. Look at these teeth. They're like chicklets. <laughs> I hope that answers your question. (laughs) Okay, thanks for those emails, guys. If you like with you... Oh, wait, wait. No, I don't have a vomiting uh, condition. (laughs) Uh, I'm usually drinking a cup of coffee while we do this podcast. Joel and Kevin don't drink coffee. I drink a lot. We drink another warm liquid. (laughs) Yeah, they they drink a ooey, gooey, warm... Oh, natural. Which I make here in my my apartment. They they make for each other at home and bring along with them in a jar. Homemade. Homemade to lubricate their throats. 
while we do the podcast. <gasps> I drink a lot of coffee, and while they'll they'll say something so ridiculously funny during the podcast, or I'll find it funny, and I'll spit it everywhere, uh, and I'll say, Mar- they'll say Martin just puked. I didn't just puke. I just but what about your weak, weak, weak stomach when you oh, eat that big Buford? Yeah, I, I take that as a personal insult. I have a iron stomach. Well, there you go. Thanks for those emails, guys. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at yeahitsthatbad at gmail.com. Okay, now it's time for the question of the week. And the question comes in from Jeremy via our Facebook page, facebook.com slash yeahitsthatbad. Jeremy writes in and says, what is your favorite guilty pleasure movie? Head on over to yeahitsthatbad.com. Leave a comment on this episode's page with your answer. Now it's time to announce the winners of the listener's choice poll. And the choices were, Pandorum versus Event Horizon. And the winner is... Event Horizon. Yeah, wow, what a shock. I did not expect this to happen. Kevin, you saw this, right? Yes, I did. Years ago? Yeah, very long time ago. Time to revisit. Like when we were in high school. Tune in next week when we will be reviewing Event Horizon. Okay, thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show. Please help spread the word of the show to all your friends by liking us on Facebook. Facebook at facebook.com slash yeah it's that bad. You can also follow us on Twitter at yeah it's bad. You can follow Martin at yeah it's Martin. You can follow Kevin at yeah it's Kev. And you can listen to this show on all your mobile devices via Stitcher. You can get that at stitcher.com slash yeah it's bad. If you put in the promo code yeah it's bad, you'll really be helping out the show because Stitcher will throw us a couple bucks. Once again, thanks for listening to the show. See you next time. We get our first full dose of the director of the NSA, and she is in charge, apparently, to this phone call where they're introducing her. She's, who does the president come to when he wants? When he wants to wipe his ass, he comes to me. I tell and, him and, to use Downey. And, <laughs> and who does God call when he's bored? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He uses Downey to wipe his ass? Uses paper towel? <laughs> Down- <laughs> he uses Brody. Downey, first of all, is... Is his washing machine detergent, okay? <laughs> Why is he using laundry detergent to wipe his ass? I chose my words very carefully. Is he like pouring? I don't get it. Is he pouring down down his ass crack? That's what Francis McDormand told him to do. Uh, it's my professional opinion. That sounds like it would kill him. You should just down <laughs> True story. Will Smith wipes his ass with moist towelettes. That's a true story. I'm not making that up. I don't get it. Did you like do it for him? <laughs> he said it in an interview years ago, and I never forgot it, ever. I'm glad that you have that locked away in your memory vault.